Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Why Always Us podcast with your host, me, me, James, and my lovely co-host. Oh, that's probably the nicest thing you've, you've said to me. An Arsenal fan. I don't think we, we need to make sure we get that in there straight away. That I'm a gooner. You're a, what do you call yourselves? Spurs? Uh, or something? Mighty, something mighty Spurs. Mighty, mighty Spurs. Mighty. Yeah. Um, actually, it was quite nice uh, little story from lockdown uh, today so i was out having a walk the other day with my wife mm-hmm. and and her well our dog i guess and um i heard a shout of my name and it was you jamie wasn't it um yeah saying oi gimp <laughs> no no i <laughs> no and I, and I do respond to gimp so you were lucky no you're very recognizable well obviously uh, i'm sure that well nobody's is it, is it safe to talk about your your, your wife it, well, it depends what you're going to say. <laughs> Only positive thing. Well, she Only will listen she, to this. Oh, she will listen, will she? Yeah. Well, in well, obviously you were very noticeable because you're wearing a, a very vibrant Hawaiian shirt. I would say, one of those shirts where it's like maybe you got dressed in the dark, or maybe you're like you know you kind of fashion you have during this lockdown time. You're like oh, I don't care what I look like. I you know got that Hawaiian shirt, and your wife is very orange, both in the dress and her hair. So she was like a beacon of, of light and, and uh, you know, obviously she's very, uh, very good looking, your wife. So she's very noticeable. And I was like, God, who's that lucky git on her arm? Oh, it's James. I know. Yeah. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, w- I also had a face mask covering the bottom half of my face and sunglasses mm-hmm. on. So probably without her, I might have slunk by and not had to uh, speak to you. Uh, but anyway, yeah. it, was, yeah, it, was, no, it was nice to it was actually nice. see a, really a, human, nice. a human face. Uh, and uh, yeah, we touched elbows, didn't we, Jamie? We didn't shake hands. No, we touched elbows. I did touch your dog a couple of times, though, so I don't know if that... Could, well, yeah. they, can't, they can't do transmission from dogs. Anyway, well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you touched the dog, I touched the dog afterwards, and I get... Yeah. I, I don't know. That is the, the life and times we live now. But anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, this week's we, show... Yeah, who do we have on this week? Uh, we've got some QPR fans, Jamie. Oh, okay. QPR fans. Now, um, go on, mate. No, I was going to say, do they are they particularly hard done by? I, I don't seem to. Does it ring any bells? Really, they don't seem like a particularly hard well, done against team. I mean, I've always felt sorry for QPR. I feel like they're a club where I've often looked at them and thought, Jesus Christ, at least at least we're not them. Right. Because from I mean, for most of my life, I've seen them yeah be relegated a few times had some mm. pretty awful ownership stuff going on. They nearly went out of business. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of quite inoffensive club, a bit like a kind of a kindly aunt that you check in on once in a while yeah. to see how they're doing. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I thought they would make, they would make quite a good one for our second episode. Um, we've got a couple of lovely guys on uh, one guy, Clive, who runs big QPR uh, website and an old mate of mine, Dave. So it's nice catching up. Uh, with him when he comes on. Cool. So yeah, uh, God, I hate, awesome. yeah, I hate intros. Do you? Yeah, like we just we sort of. Yeah, all right. Let's just stop. That was the intro. Let's <laughs> let's, let's let's speak to the QPR fans. Yeah, let's go. So guys, welcome uh, Dave and Clive. How's it going? Very well, thank you. Yeah, same. Every day is the same. Every day is Sunday, basically, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. We've, we've obviously done the massive uh, cliche of starting a podcast in lockdown, but, you know, there we go. <laughs> Fuck you, we do what we want. Um, yeah. So Clive, I'll let you introduce yourself properly, but you, you run uh, one of the big kind of QPR... Is it blogs or message boards, sites? You tell us. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit of both. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how, how big it is, you know, 
being QPR and whatever. But yeah, I, I started doing it at university, like getting on for sort of 15, 16, probably longer years ago, just as um, something to put on my CV and uh, something to earn a little bit of extra money while I was studying. And it's still still going strong all these uh, all these years later. It's prob- probably got the busiest message board on there, which, you know, can be a bit care in the community at times. But um yeah, it's uh, it's all right. Uh, it's a, it's a, they're a decent bunch, and uh, until this all hit, it was uh, it was a good way of paying for for tickets and travel and things like that. Mostly, nice. Okay. And uh, yeah, is it quite? I mean, QPR. You said it's not that big, but it's still, I'd say, a pretty major club, uh, London club. So, is it if quite? You a lot tell of my, if you could tell my advertisers that, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And then we've got Dave. Um, Dave and I go back a long way from our school days. Uh, and QPR are always a little bit of a second team for me because of that, I think. Been to Loftus Road a few times. But Dave, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm just, um, as you say, long, long time QPR fan slash sufferer. Um, <laughs> I think I've managed to convince quite a few people to make QPR their second team over the years. I even managed to persuade a friend of mine, Adam, who you know, to get a season ticket with me the year we got relegated from uh, what's now the championship. And probably what was the worst season we've ever had. <laughs> um, yeah, so just a long-suffering fan, really. I can't, I can't claim to have started any blogs or anything. But uh, yeah, we're all one community at the end of the day, in a way. <laughs> uh, Dave, um, outside of QPR, you're a DJ and producer, right? Or yeah, producer, that what we're calling yeah. you now. Say again? What we call it, you DJ slash producer, DJ producer, producer I'm DJ? I'm moving more towards the production and, and songwriting side of things these days, yeah. Uh, considering everything is closed, it's probably quite a sensible move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're used to spending nearly every day in a small room if you're making records. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, as I said, not, not much has really changed for me, to be honest. So, yeah, it's, uh, life goes on as normal for me, really. What, what music do QPR come out to now? They come back to a track called Papa's Got a Brand New Pig Bag. By they the still band. got, still that? Still that, yeah. <laughs> that's been going strong. I think someone did a remix of it in the mid 90s. And I think that's when they started playing it at Rangers. I may be wrong. Um, and then they went back to the kind of original, I think. And they play it after every goal. Um, and yeah, as we come onto the pitch, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it about 25 years later. It's getting a bit ridiculous. <laughs> you know, when we got to the, uh, when we got to the playoff final, uh, the one that was played in Cardiff, because they were doing Wembley up, uh, we ended up playing Cardiff in Cardiff, which was a bit lively. Uh, and they decided for the first time that they wouldn't do the national anthem at the playoff final because, you know, 30,000 Cardiff fans in Cardiff, it, you know, it was never going to work. God save the Queen. So... Uh, they made each club come up with a song to play ahead of the game while the teams lined up on the pitch and sort of sing along to in lieu of the anthem. And fucking Cardiff went with Men of Harlick or something, you know, something grand and, you know, Welsh Valleys sing it. And we went with that. <laughs> our, team, our team had to line up and basically everybody just did that song that we all know. Uh, um, I think yeah, I think you're going to have to sing it for us because not everyone knows. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah, instead of the national instead go, of the national anthem, that's what we went with. God, Dave, I mean, let's hear it. We add a lyric in the middle, but yeah, it goes. Duh, 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 oops, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> and yeah, a little bit embarrassing to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but it, fun. it's the party guy. I mean, genius lyrics there. Uh, you mm. can't can't go wrong with. Well thought that. out, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, so we got sidetracked, but I still can't believe you have that song. We have at Spurs, we have the Star Wars Jewel of the Fates, which always feels a bit tacky. Um, but there you go. Uh, Arsenal, I don't really give a shit what you guys do. Um, We've got anyway. to jump around. We're kind of on the same, I think a similar vibe to the Arse. We're sort of, yeah, jump around for some, some reason. But the Arsenal fans surely don't jump around at all. No, we sit, we sit quietly eating our cucumber sandwiches. Applaud <laughs> politely. Exactly. Well, yes, the ground looks particularly pleasant this evening. That's what we, you know, <laughs> that's how it goes down the Emirates. So, Clive, before, before we get into it, I just want to, well, and, and Dave, whichever you want to go first, but it, how were QPR doing? Last time I checked the table, you were sort of comfortably mid-table in the Championship. But just let's just sort of briefly talk about your season so far. 
um and and whether you think if things do restart kind of what what the rest of the season might hold for you well, I, I don't know if Dave will agree with me, but I, I quite enjoyed the season as a whole. I think you have to set it against the expectation of where we thought we were last summer. Um, I thought we were banging trouble, could easily go down. I think the four four two season preview had us third bottom. Uh, you know, traumatic season last year under Steve McLaren, ripped the whole squad up over the summer, well-documented financial pressures. So to come out of that with the team that we've got, it's actually really good to watch. I mean, they concede goals for fun, but third top scorers in the league, uh, some of the young players they've got down there now with Eze, Bright, Chair, you know, Naki Wells first half of the season, Jordan Hugel second. You know, we've played some really good football. We're good to watch. We've actually been competitive away from home this season for the first time in a few years. Uh, and the lockdown came just as I think we'd gone on a five-game winning run sort of pushing us up towards playoff contention if you look at the fixtures we've got left it's basically I think we play seven of the bottom nine in our last nine games so we were actually really optimistic when the when the lockdown came I think Warburton, Warburton's done a hell of a job and I, I like watching his team yeah 100% agree 100% agree I think as well as it kind of came off the back of a handful of pretty dreary seasons it wasn't just the McLaren one I mean really since we got relegated from the Premier League and obviously that relegation season, which was a disaster, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been harder and harder to pull myself to Loftus Road, to be honest. Uh, but this season's definitely been a real shift. And as you say, that we got these young players that are just an absolute joy to watch and definitely, particularly Eze, I think, will be a household name probably within a few years. And you know, my biggest regret, I think, of how this season has panned out, obviously, with, with everything stopping, is is that there's a chance that we might not see those players play again for, for Rangers live in the flesh anyway. And uh, there's a pretty good chance, at least Eze, who's probably the pick of the bunch, will, will be on his way to, to greater things. Um, yeah, I think I think Bright could go as well. I know there's, there's um, clubs in Europe and in, and in our country looking at him and his contract's only got a year and a bit to run, so... That would be a shame. We've basically been cleaning house for the last five years. I mean, you guys will have known and seen what an absolute catastrophic mess we made of our time in the Premier League and the Mark Hughes and Harry Redknapp trolley dash and all of the fallout that's going to take us 10 years to, to clean up after that. So the last five years have basically been about bringing the wage bill down from its high of £80 million a season while Redknapp was manager down to... Uh, yeah, when we won, we won the playoff final at Wembley, the Bobby Zamora got, you know, great day and everything. Yeah. But that, that squad was on £80 million a season. Um, and I think the, the wage bill at the last accounts, we've got it down to nearer 20. And to, to get it where it needs to be, it needs to be around a sort of Preston level of sort of 14, 15 million a year for the size of the club and the, the income it has. And to do that, to be constantly reducing your wage bill every season while at the same time maintaining position in the championship is actually quite difficult. So it's, it's not been easy to watch, like Dave says, but I think I'm hoping that we're going to come out the other side of it much stronger. Club. Yeah, I, I, I feel like you guys set the blueprint for how not to get promoted into the Premier League. And it's surprising me still as I can't, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember it was, but someone recently went up and tried to basically buy a whole team. Oh, I can't remember who it was. Well, Fulham were very cute. Yeah, Fulham were very cute. Yeah, you know, they went, they went up with a perfectly adequate team that just needed a couple of new centre-backs and went nuts in the summer once. And then when that went wrong, went nuts in January again. I mean, Ryan Babbel's such a QPR signing. I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm amazed that we didn't make it. You know, they so. They gave it a good QPR, and maybe maybe Villa this season as well. If they if they were to come down with all the money they've spent over the last two years, yeah, and I think Fulham is right because the ones that have come up and really made it, the ones that have kept that that core squad that got them promoted together, right? And I mean, look at Sheffield United, perfect yeah. example this season have been brilliant. Even uh, if you uh, even if you go up, bank the money, come back, and then go again, like Burnley have done and West Brom back in back in the day, I think that's a better way to do it than. The way we did it twice. I mean, we got you know we got away with it. We got promoted back with that playoff final win, and then just went and did all the same shit again. We you know Stephen Colker for eight million quid and things like that. You know we just we're like a an errant child. You can't you can't leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of strange seeing history repeating itself for sure. Considering how much of a disaster the first time round was, you'd think they'd learn their lessons a bit. 
Um, I mean, yeah, Chris Samba on a hundred grand a week and just turning up about what two or three stone overweight uh, did absolutely nothing in our descent <laughs> back yeah, down yeah. to, uh, to the championship. It was a uh, yeah, it was a bizarre time. And as you said, you know, you look at Sheffield United now and how they've gone up and and they've just remained a unit, just added a few people here and there. Um, and then you look at how we did it, and and we just had this core of like wonderful professionals as we went up plus a Delta Rapt who was not necessarily a professional, but the most talented player we've had, certainly in my time as a fan. Um, and then, yeah, you just kind of, you know, by bringing in all these high paid players, you just, you're just saying they're worthless for what they've done and, and just immediate divisions in the dressing room. And, and yeah, there's just so many aspects of how it's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the sad thing about it was we started this conversation about QPR were quite a lot of people's second team. They're quite a cool club. You know, the, the kit and the location, the ground, the history, the way we play football and, you know, accident-prone, fun, quite a cool little club. And over that period, you know, I go to every QPR game and I didn't even like QPR. You know, I just... It just became that horrible sort of fake, you know, chucking money around... Bertie Big Potatoes club that I just, we just went away from the sort of club that we are in that period. It was, you know, people like you turning up to support people like Joey Barton and, you know, I just, it became a bit of a chore going and that wasn't just because we were losing because we did win a promotion in amongst that. But yeah, I, I hated that. I'm, I much prefer us now, even though, you know, we're a completely different club and obviously a, a division lower and mid-table championship team. I have much more pride in watching what we are now than what we were then. Just when you said Barton, it just made me realise you guys are part of arguably the greatest Premier League moment of all time. <laughs> like, like registered copyright, the, the Aguero goal. <laughs> you were on the other end of that. When you watch that back now, because I, I, I got no love for Man City at all, but for some reason when I watch that clip, it gives me goosebumps because of the drama of it and I hate them. So I just wonder, like, do you appreciate that moment at all? Or do you just wish people would stop playing it over and over again? It was a bit of a weird one for us because we had found out that we were staying up about two minutes before that goal was scored, something like that. So that, that game at kickoff was, was crucial for both teams. Like, we were on the verge of relegation, had to win, really, to guarantee staying up. I think that was the case. And obviously, they needed to win to guarantee winning the league. And then, at the time that goal was scored. As I said, we just found out that we were actually staying up. And I think, you know, part of us kind of wanted City to score just to deny Man United getting the title because we probably hate them. You know, well, everyone hates Man United, but, you know, <laughs> everyone likes City more than United. But I don't know. Well, sounds like you're not a big fan, James. <laughs> if, you, um, if you look on YouTube, uh, there's actually footage in the away end of QPR fans celebrating the Aguero goal. And that was certainly the case where we were sitting. Um, and there's a, there's, a, there's a history with QPR and Man United with a couple of incidents that I think we'll come on to later. One was that season when we got cheated out of the game at Old Trafford. And uh, one was a few years before, which, I, which I'll talk about a little bit later. So QPR have a real sort of history with Man United. We'd found out two minutes before that the Bolton game was full time. So we were safe. So we were celebrating anyway. And at that point, it became actually, we wanted City to score so that Man United the league and everybody around me in the way and was celebrating that Aguero goal and there's clips of that on uh, on YouTube the Man City fans turned to us to give it the big end only to find that we were set like celebrating <laughs> with them that it was quite a weird moment in the upper tier there <laughs> that's fantastic all right well so look I mean one of the reasons we've got you on as, as our second podcast we had we had Newcastle last week um is because when I was trying to think of clubs that people might feel a hard done by. One of the first came to mind was QPR. So I know you guys have been through the ringer. And you mentioned, you mentioned some, uh, some decisions with United. So why don't we crack on to, uh, to one of those, uh, Clive, if you want to talk us through. Well, yeah, I mean, when you, when you, uh, when you asked, I mean, the list that we came up with on email was, was enormous. I suppose everybody feels like that with their club. But, you know, QPR does feel like it takes a bit of a kicking. One of the ones that we both mentioned that season, um, Man United away. Um, that season, we had a run of games through January that we really needed to win to stay up. I think we played Bolton, Blackburn, 
Fulham, Everton, Villa, teams that were in the bottom half of the table and quite a few of them at home. And we were like, we need to win three or four of these games because the season finished with Man United, Man City away, uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool at home, Chelsea away. That was basically the end of the season. And true QPR style, we bollocked up all six or seven of these winnable games, culminating in a, in a game at Bolton where Clint Hill scored a goal. And I mean, there will be some exaggeration in this podcast, but this goal was four <laughs> or five yards over the line. I mean, Adam Bogdan, the goalkeeper, is in the back of the net as he punches it back into play. It's the most flagrantly awful piece of linesmanship I think you'll, you'll ever see. And we went on and went on and lost to Bolton. Was off and celebrating. In comes the corner kick. Hill arrives. Well, it's miles over the line. Um, a couple of weeks after that, at Man United, Ashley Young went through on goal, three yards offside, just miles offside. Uh, Sean Derry runs across the back of him. Ashley Young hits the deck. It's a blatant dive. Immediately, linesman like the offsides ignored. The penalty is awarded. Sean Derry sent off after 17 minutes. We're down to 10 men. We lose that game, and the referee that day at Old Trafford was Lee Mason, who is a Bolton Wanderers season ticket holder, whose brother plays for Bolton, and who was the chairman of the Bolton Referees Association at that time, and wasn't allowed to referee Bolton games because he was a Bolton fan. But he was allowed to referee QPR games despite his being level on points and level in the table. He gave this scandalous decision. So that Aguero game, coming into that Aguero game, there was all this context of it was between us and Bolton to go down, and we wanted to fuck Lee Mason off. <laughs> and, we, Ash, and it was between Man City and Ashley Young to win the Premier League. And we, we, like I said, once we knew we were safe, Bolton were gone. And I think Bolton got screwed out of that, their last game at Stoke. I seem to remember at least one penalty decision, if not two, in that game that just weren't. They got really shafted on the last day at Stoke. And of course, the Aguero goal. But there was all this context leading into it, this tension between us and Bolton and Man United. It actually turned out to be a rare example of everything falling into place for QPR. Dave, what's, what's your recollection of that? I mean, were those so was a Clint Hill goal the same season, or was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. that, was, that yeah. was at the start of it. So, yeah, we did have a couple of pretty bad pieces of luck in, in a short space of time there. Yeah, as you say, you know, the, the Clint Hill goal was just so obviously over the line. I mean, it was kind of Lampard for England, sort of reminiscence of, of that really um so when you're away at a team that you really feel you have to win at to stay up and then that goes against you you kind of feel like you know the, the end is nigh really when it comes to the relegation fight so so for people who, who don't remember that goal because i remember it happening but just talk us through like what actually happened in the build-up to that i think it came from a corner um it came from a corner Clint Hill got his, got his nut on it. <laughs> Doesn't score many goals, Clint Hill, uh, but a very reliable competitor, very model professional. But yeah, he got his, uh, his head on it and it went, yeah, what? Well, I mean, the screen I'm on is not wide enough to show you how far over the line it went. And uh, yeah, the keeper managed to sort of claw it up against the bar and it ends up not hitting the actual net. But it was just so clearly over the line. Um, and that would have put us 1-0 up in the game. And uh, we went on to lose it 2-1. So... At that point, a lot of Rangers fans certainly felt that, you know, like I said, the, the end, it was the curtain call of our relegation scrap, really. But, um, it did, yeah, it felt, like, it felt like that. We actually went on and beat Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, Swansea and Stoke in our last five home games to survive, which is a very QPR, QPR uh, way of doing it. <laughs> the, I've spoke to, um, I got into some ridiculous Twitter round with Bolton fans about this the other week and... Uh, they point out that our equaliser at Bolton that day was actually probably offside. I think Cissé equalised. But Martin Atkinson was the referee. And after that Clint Hill goal, you obviously know you've made a horrendous mistake. And he just lost the plot in that game for the rest of it. And we, we had a blatant penalty turned down in injury time as well that day. It was just one of those days where the officiating just, it just turned into a complete, uh, a complete shambles. And just to really rub it in, I think either that summer or the summer after was a World Cup and European Championships. And Martin Atkinson turned up as the fucking in-goal judge, judging whether things were over the line or not at the <laughs> European Championship. I mean, just to really rub it in. Brilliant. So despite you staying up, I feel like you guys are still really angry about this. 
it just felt like a very QPR moment, I guess. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and you know, contextualizing it with the Ashley Young thing that obviously happened in the very near vicinity of that game. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've seen few players become the kind of subject of such venom as Ashley Young did after that game. Uh, I've never really seen an opposition player who doesn't play for Chelsea kind of spoken about him with the words that were used on the message boards after after that <clears> happened. Um, one of our one of our podcasts wrote a song about him at the end of the year, proper little guitar ballad. I'll have to try and uh, I'll have to try and fish it out. The other thing about that all was that Clint Clint Hill's a bit of a modern day club legend with everything he achieved at QPR. Was you know was only brought in for one year by Neil Warnock, ended up staying for six, winning two promotions. You know, absolute stalwart for the club, and had never scored a Premier League goal at that point. So that would have been his first ever Premier League goal. Um, I think he subsequently got one many years later at Villa. But, you know, in a relegation six-pointer away from home to give you the lead, that, that, would have been, that would have been his first ever Premier League goal and got taken off him. The linesman was called Bob Pollock as well. I mean, just... just like, I, love, I love that you remember that. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember everything, mate. I bear so many grudges. It's going to be a long hour for you guys. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I'm gonna, I reckon I'll probably mention this goal slash no goal every episode because I'm still pissed off about it. But was it... Worse than Pedro Mendes at Old Trafford. <laughs> very similar. Time, very yeah. similar. Yeah, I think it's kind of on that level. <laughs> yeah, because very because Carroll's like from the waist up was in the goal. Yeah, alone the ball as he clawed well, it. Out. Bogdan is entirely in the goal, and he actually punches the ball forwards and up. So it has to travel forwards and up to hit the underside of the bar to come back out. Um, but yeah, it's it's on a level. It's it's slightly worse than the Mendes one, but because it's from a corner, so the linesman's banging line. Whereas, as I remember the Mendes one, that was some ridiculous shot from the halfway line, and the linesman was quite a long way back, so had some semblance of excuse. Whereas this guy was just looking straight across at him. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Jamie, thoughts on that? I'm surprised you're conceding that the uh, that easily, James. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's a legendary moment. In, I'm just in trying Spurs to find it now on YouTube, lads. This uh, this ghost goal that you're going about. Hold on, let me see if I can. So yeah, he does. I have to say, I'm gonna have to side with the, the lad series. Yeah, he's. Yeah, there's no, there's no way that that's not a goal. Uh, <laughs> he's li- Yeah, he's literally. Yeah, he's dived behind the line to try and uh, to try and get it out. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Pretty shocking, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, and you're always going about that Pedro Mendes thing. Was it even a goal? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. <clears throat> so what's the, what's the next one on the list? So obviously we're anti-referees. We've got some referees on the list. Any, any players that have done you wrong or anybody that you can never forgive for getting transferred or anything like that? Good question. We're kind of a selling club, aren't we? I don't, Dave, you take that one on. It's like... I'm trying to think, really. I mean, I actually became a fan the season after Les Ferdinand was sold. So that's probably quite a big one for Rangers fans, I suppose. Um, right. But also just after that, actually, we, we sold Trevor Sinclair for pretty low fee, as well as uh, Andy Impey. It was the Sinclair deal, wasn't it, where we got, in return, we got Ian Dowie and Keith Rowland. Wow. <laughs> I mean, West, that was just... Yeah, that, I mean, we were circling the drain as a club, you know, been relegated out of the Premier League, we're going skint and whatever, but West Ham had us over a barrel over the course of a year. I think they had Brevet, Impey and Sinclair offers. And the Sinclair deal, I think, yeah, like you say, we got a million quid and Dowie and Keith Rowland, I think. And they gave, it, they gave us Miklosko at one point as well, who was about 50 years old. Tim Breaker was involved in all of this. <laughs> They basically took three of our best players and just basically fly-tipped their <laughs> shit in our back garden over about two years. <laughs> horrendous. It's a pretty accurate description of what happened there. I mean, you know, <laughs> Sinclair was really in his, his prime then, you know. He was off, he was off the back of the, the infamous overhead kick season. Um, mm-hmm. About halfway through the season after that. And... Um, yeah, I mean, to some degree, he, he was playing with some, somewhat of a lack of interest. I think his best years with Rangers were, were probably 
his well the last Ferdinand season by all accounts he was pretty much on fire yeah and, uh, it was a it was a rare example of us hanging on to a player rather than selling him when we really should have done because we you know we should have got seven or eight million for, for Sinclair and we clung on I remember I think he actually did put a transfer request in at one point yeah. before we played a home game with Manchester City and I remember him getting booed by the QPR fans like booing their own player and then he, he lobbed the goalkeeper from 40 yards after about 15 minutes. It's just like, oh, he's all right again now. <laughs> Fickle fans. Yeah. <laughs> I think you let Dudu go way too early. Uh, that's a little in-joke there. I should be doing in-jokes on the podcast, but there we go. Me, me and Dave used to love Dudu and Bombo a lot. Um, what a wonderful name. To have... <laughs> to have- Players called Dudu and Shitu in the same team. Was the <laughs> 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 playing the same team, yeah, Dudu and Shitu. Yeah, yeah, that's very QPR. Yeah. <laughs> if only there was, there was a speculation. I remember speculation at the time. I think there was a player called Raphael Scheidt who was playing for Celtic at the time. And uh, around the message board, saying, "We just need to hit. We need to add him and Kaka to the collection." <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, right, so I, I, this might trigger you, so I'm sorry if it does, but I'm going to say two words here. Um, Rob Styles. Yeah, he's, um, he's a referee that, that sort of seemingly, there was a handful of clubs that he seemed to have it in for, and we were definitely one of them. Just numerous red cards seemed to occur every time he was in charge. Uh, I'm remembering three of them. Two of them in one game, particularly notorious. Very, very soft red cards against Wickham. I think we were winning, but went on to either draw or lose as a result of those. So, yeah, we, we, were, we were winning 2-1 and ended up getting done 4-2 with ten, well, nine men. And yeah, that was a long afternoon. Yeah. And uh, I think I also remember being at Craven Cottage when Rob Steiner, who's maybe not a name that gets mentioned very often these days, but um, he got sent off. I think two yellow cards in the first half hour, the second of which for diving, possibly. Yeah, he got, he got sent off for diving. That's <laughs> a big day. Yeah, um, that's my memories. But I reckon there were probably more. But Yeah, there were a, there were a couple of others. Um, can I, can I say, can I, can Clive phrases as his decade-long persecution of us. So, <laughs> I, so I'm expecting big things from this, Clive. Well, I mean, there were, there were two. Re- there were only two referees throughout, like my entire time of watching QPR, where I've actually thought this this guy doesn't. He just doesn't like us, like because everybody says that about referees, but it's not true, is it? If we're honest, mm. apart from Rob Styles, who, like you say, there was the Wickham incident, there was the Fulham incident. We got dumped out of the FA Cup at Charlton one day, penalty after 82 minutes, and a red card that Chris Plummer got sent off, and that was a nonsense decision. We got a last-minute goal disallowed at home to Sheffield Wednesday, lost 2-1. That was Rob Styles. I remember that one, I, yeah. ju- I just, he really seems to have, and the other, the other one like him was Andy Hall, who wasn't a Premier League referee, but was sort of a, sort of a championship journeyman referee. Sent two of our players off against Crew in a promotion six-pointer. Both of them, their second yellow cards, were for failing to retreat at free kicks. And this game developed in... This game developed into a farce where crew realised that every time they got a free kick, if they just put the ball down and welly it immediately at a QPR player, the QPR player would be booked. So we ended up with nine men through them. Do- we ended up with nine men through them doing that. A couple of years later, Andy Hall came back to Loftus Road uh, in a home game against Reading. We got a free kick on the edge of the box, took it quickly, tried to do the keeper. And he booked Ben Watson for taking the free kick too quickly. And it was his second yellow. So he got sent off. So crew were allowed to take quick free kicks and just belt them into us. But we weren't allowed to do it against Reading. There was a cup game at Northampton as well. We lost 3-0 at Northampton. Big upset. Sent off one of ours there. There were just Rob Styles and Andy Hall just all the way through really seemed to just bloody hate us for some reason. (laughs) I've just... I just thought I'd Google, because I remember the name Rob Styles. I was to see if he ever fucked us over as well. And a few things came up. Uh, Rob Styles gets go-ahead to officiate a Tottenham OMG. Uh, because he... Yeah, Rob Styles will not be stood down from Premier League game this weekend after beginning yesterday with an apology to Bolton Wanderers for his mistake in awarding United, Man United a crucial second-half penalty, penalty 
when last Saturday's match was tied at nil-nil. So he's obviously he's been in trouble with a few clubs. He was a particularly poor referee. He was, to, to the extent, I don't know if this says more about him or, or my fashion choices, but I remember finding on eBay there was a T-shirt with Rob Styles on it that sort of had a kind of old-school Western wanted sign saying, wanted for crimes against football. And uh, I bought it. Have you still got it or did you get rid of it? It's disappeared, thankfully. <laughs> I, ha- I haven't, ge- I'll need to Google this afterwards and I'm not, I'm not going to say what I think the story was on here because it's probably horrendously libelous, but I think he left refereeing in the Premier League uh, in rather unceremonious circumstances after there was some salacious story about him and his wife both having affairs at the same time and it all landed in the newspaper and he basically just sort of left Premier League refereeing overnight and the general reaction was good but I think if you actually look up the reason if you actually look up the story about why Rob Styles suddenly left refereeing I think it's, uh, it's a bit of a sordid tale. Oh, okay. But it's not it's not on his wiki but it does, <laughs> it, uh, it does it does it does say his last game was against West was was West Brom v Man United. He sent off a West Brom defender five minutes before half time, which was then overturned by the FA. And two days after seeing that, he retired, citing lack of support from the FA as his main reason. So he basically he basically uh, sulked his way out of football um, because he didn't like that he kept getting things wrong, which seems like a sensible decision to me. I've, ju- I've just tried to Google it. I've just, I've just Googled Rob Styles sacked. And the first story that comes up is from the Stoke Sentinel. And right. it said, Rob Styles anniversary. Assessor gave referee 10 out of 10 for Gillingham Stoke nightmare. So it's clearly not only us. Yeah, I think he was a, a well-hated ref. <laughs> Did he have, was he, he sort of like, dark hair that was the same length all the way around and he was a bit fat and just when I think of Rob Stars that's what I think of I don't know if I've got I think him. he had the sort of greasy full slick slick back you know from a McLaren hair island not that I can talk okay <laughs> Jamie any any memories of Rob Stiles I for Arsenal to... well I mean it's a bit of a tricky one this because normally we we benefit from is it Rob Stars is it I'm Rob Stiles yeah uh, see if I can, if I recognise his face. Um, I've got Ron Stars there, idiot. No, nothing comes to mind really. Um, just bear with me for a second. Do Arsenal have a, a ref that they think? I mean, I remember the whole um, Mike Dean is a Spurs fan thing, which is proven it, that could be completely wrong in the last three games he's ref for us. But anyway. Yeah, but I mean, in general, he does exhibit quite knobheady behaviour. I think maybe to you guys as well, if you've had him as a ref, just that kind of the arrogance of even if a decision is completely wrong, these the his face and his attitude is like, well, I've said it, so you know, fuck you, kind of thing. He's just a bit centre of attention, isn't he, Mike? Yeah, he's, he's like, yeah. it's all about even that that clip uh, of him celebrating like Tranmere's goal at Newport in the playoffs because he's a Tranmere fan. I just thought that mm. was that was so Mike Dean because he couldn't <laughs> just celebrate. He had to stand on his seat so he was above all the Tranmere fans and, and give it. I was just thought that's very Mike Dean. He's just not particularly bad or good, but always centre of attention, which is not really what you're going for as a referee, is it? Yeah. One day, I really hope it comes out what he said to Pochettino at the end of the Burnley game that made it. I don't know if you guys remember this. It was last yeah. season, just our season started falling apart from that moment, really. And he said something, and, and Poch and, um, and Jesus Perez, the, the assistant, went absolutely mental at him, saying, you, shan't, you can't say that, you can't say that. And they never released the audio from his mic, but one day I hope it comes out, because I, I want to know. <laughs> wasn't, he, wasn't he just slagging, didn't he slag Pochettino's substitutions off or something? Pochettino came on and said, you got that wrong, and he turned around and said, well, you, and you got all your subs wrong in the second half. Was it, wasn't it just something as, as basic as that's that? A, the, yeah, there's some speculation it was like that, or he said, like, oh, that's your season, bugger then. Or, you know, it might have been... Maybe he just insulted Argentinian wine. I don't know. Yeah. But he got very emotional, and we never saw that. Um, so, no, so, so, so Rob Styles, I think we'll leave Rob Styles there in the annals of, of shit referee history. Um mm-hmm. Clive, I'm going to go to you again. Now, on your list, you said there's something that happened. Because um, when, when I asked you guys to, to come up with, with some incidents, to sort of ask 
stuff that had implications for the club in the long term wasn't just a dodgy decision on the off. Uh, this one had implications of your entire childhood, which you said, you said this destroyed your childhood, Clive. So what was the, yeah, the, yeah. the refereeing decision that, as a QPR fan that destroyed your childhood? Well, no, look, absolutely, look I'm going to go off on one for about 10 minutes. So you guys sort of <laughs> amuse yourselves and then you can cut it afterwards as, as you see. Fit. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a goal scored and every QPR fan immediately knows it as soon as you mention it uh, by Eric Cantona at Loftus Road for Manchester United in the 1995-96 season. And there's absolutely, the first thing to say is there's absolutely nothing wrong with the goal. Um, Steve Bruce, for reasons known only to himself, pops up on the left wing, hangs this cross up to the back post. Our goalkeeper, Jürgen Sommer, who'd played really well that day. So I just don't understand what he's doing, but he walks under the ball. Canton steams in at the back post, heads it in from about a yard out. It's an equalising goal, we draw 1-1. It's a Manchester United throw, and we're deep in stoppage time, and Robbie Hart looks long at his watch. Sharp. Bruce. Still gets it, Bruce. Strong enough to keep it. Here's Giggs. To the back post. Cantona! nothing wrong with the goal the second thing is it was the season that Man United overhauled Newcastle's 12-point lead to win the league and you know that result was part of it um, and it was the season we got relegated but it's not the reason we got relegated we were relegated with a game to spare by five points so even if we had won the game 1-0 you could argue a home win against Man United the momentum that gives you might have made a difference we subsequently beat Everton, beat Southampton, beat West Ham in our last three home games. So maybe if that run had started a couple of weeks earlier, maybe. But, you know, we were a poor team that year. We'd lost Les Ferdinand, Clive Wilson, Dave Bardsley was injured. You know, we tried to replace Les Ferdinand with Mark Haitley, memorably. Another, yeah. another great QPR idea. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd, I think we lost seven in a row over Christmas. I think we won two out of 16, 17 league games over the winter. So we were crap. You know, we weren't relegated because of it that goal but <laughs> <laughs> and I mean these these things kind of get exaggerated in the myths you know through the mists of time and, and myth and legend builds up around that this goal was scored in the 106th 107th minute I don't have the exact time on it I suspect it was scored in about the 95th or the 96th minute the point is the referee that day Robbie Hart from Darlington and again there's all sorts of legend that it was Robbie Hart's last season. He was a Man United fan and they'd given him this Man United game by way of a sort of retirement present and all of this stuff, which is almost <laughs> certainly bullshit. However, he'd made it very, very obvious that we were going to be staying at Loftus Road that day until Manchester United equalised. And if that was in the second reading of the classified football results, then we would be staying until then. And if that was during match of the day, we would be staying until then. And if we had to stay there until the sun came up on Sunday and they hadn't scored, we would still have been there on Sunday morning. And he didn't even disguise it. I mean, if you watch it back, Cantona makes this big song and dance of getting the ball out of the back of the net and rushing to the centre circle because United want to press for their winner or whatever Clive Tilsley will have said, cock in hand. <laughs> he, didn't even let, he didn't even let us kick off. Like, we literally rolled the ball an inch to the left, and that was full-time. Not 10 seconds before... Now it's full-time. It's full-time now. Now Cantona's equalised. And 
I'm, I'm going to be horribly melodramatic about all of this now because like I say, it did ruin my childhood. To that point, I had led a beautifully idyllic life living in a lovely part of West London with happily married parents. I don't think I'd even had a pet die at that stage. <laughs> I just, nothing bad had ever happened to me. And all I really wanted was for QPR to beat Man United because I went to a West London secondary school. So of course, all the, other little boy, all, all the other little boys there were Man United fans. These horrible little shits, <laughs> you know, who barely even left London, never mind gone to Manchester, never mind actually ever set foot in Old Trafford. And around that time, I would go home and away to all the QPR games with my dad as a little 10-year-old. I felt really grown up. You sit on the train with all the grown-ups there all getting drunk or whatever. It's great. It's the favourite day of the week. But we'd lose to Coventry or Southampton or whatever. And I'd go to school on Monday and all these little goblin children would take the piss out of me because QPR had lost. And obviously, Man United have beaten Ipswich 9-0 or whatever Man United were doing that weekend. So all I wanted was for QPR to beat Man United so I could bowl into school with my pigeon chest held out. And... That Cantona goal, it, it took that away from me and it started a chain of events in my life that lasted about 10 years where I went from being this sort of happy-go-lucky, optimistic little boy living in West London without a care in the world. The Cantona goal happened. QPR got relegated about uh, two months after that. Two months after that, my parents dropped it on me that uh, we were leaving London, we were moving with Dad's job, we moved to Scunthorpe. Which, oh, no. I mean, with the, with the best of respects, it's an absolute hellhole. You know, it's one of the worst places in the country. And I moved uh, on my first day of secondary school. I literally got out of the removal van and went into this evil northern comprehensive school <laughs> without even seeing what house I lived in. I, it was just, right, here you go didn't know anybody I was five foot tall I was called Clive I had an old man name I had a broad London accent and they just parked me in this northern secondary school and I hated everyone there and everyone there hated me from the get-go so I had this evil five years about three months after that my granddad who went to QPR dropped dead on the playground coming to pick us up from school about a year after that my dad never got over that year after that my dad died uh had a horrendous battle with throat cancer and died mum said i was too young to go to qpr from scunthorpe every week so my dad's best mate said i'll take him so i had a few years going to qpr every week from scunthorpe with this weird mate of my dad's he died and all the way through, all the way through this this bloody secondary school i was in we just thought oh clive needs normalcy clive needs to be back in the routine you know Clive needs to sit his GCSEs. It's what your dad would have wanted. Make sure your science course work's done. And honest to God, I was gone. Like mentally, I needed time. I needed a holiday. And this bloody secondary school just wanted my grades for their league table. And honestly, I could have made my GCSE grades up because no one's ever fucking checked them since. <laughs> and they pestered my mum and made me go back to school. And I just hated it. And this horrible period in my life when basically everybody around me died didn't really end until I went to university in Sheffield and just took a breath and was like, start your life again. And that season, QPR won promotion, last game of the season in Sheffield. And that just felt like a real sort of turning point in my life after this horrendous sort of five or six years that started with the fucking Cantona goal. <laughs> if the referee had just blown his whistle 10 seconds earlier, wouldn't have happened. And just in my mind, in my walked mind's eye i just feel like my whole life would have been different if that fucking referee had blown the full-time whistle 10 seconds earlier none of this shit would have happened my happy little existence would have continued and it took qpr the same amount of time to turn it around like that promotion at hillsborough was the start of us coming back up from all the horrors that that relegation um inflicted on us so yeah sorry i told you i was going to go off on one and the body count was quite high in that but <laughs> I, I i hate eric Cantona. i hate eric Cantona and that referee with every single fiber of my being and i, I always will Jesus. wow thanks thanks, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for sharing what an amazing story i think that should be a book <laughs> I'm, I'm almost on the floor after that like, jamie what's <laughs> I'll let you, you did invite me to, you did invite me to dinner sorry uh, yeah I'm, 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 I'm speechless jb take take it from here <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that's what it's all about really the those it and i think you're totally right it, it would probably would have uh, 
change your life had Cantona not scored. Obviously, that's the famous kind of Fergie time ruining lives, isn't it? You know. Do you know, and I was not to go off on one again, but everyone laughs about that now, don't they? It's oh ha ha Fergie mm. time. You know, that was one of several goals scored in that manner in this period when basically Man United were the best team in the world and Alex Ferguson was the best manager in the world. And mm-hmm. he, had no, he had no need to bully, harass, harangue, intimidate referees in the way he did because he had the best team and he was the best manager. He could quite easily have won everything without doing that. Mm-hmm. And everybody looks back, a ha-ha-ha, Fergie time, Fergie time. It's not funny. It was bent. Yeah. It was dodgy as hell, it really was. It was so fucking dodgy. And because you're right, they would play, you know, past the time where we're like, you know, come on, everyone. And he'd be the one, oh, come on, we've, only, we've still got a few minutes left, haven't we, ref? You know, chomping and chewing like a fucking demon next to the fourth official. Going, don't you dare blow that whistle. Do you know what I mean? He didn't, need, power. didn't need to do it with the team he had, you know? No. Yeah, it's a weird power that man had over, over football in general, wasn't it? Um, I mean, I, I certainly can't follow that story that, that Clive's just, just regaled. I just remember that game. I was at that game and I just remember that it was one of the few times that season where we actually played really well. And uh, we had actually dominated this, arguably the great, you know, the great Man United team of all of them. And uh, it was just utterly, utterly devastating when you watched that header and you knew that that was about to hit the net. And, all the Man U fans. We, for some reason at QPR, we give an extraordinary amount of our space in the stadium to the away fans. So it's uh, always particularly galling when you see the, the lot of them celebrating in the last minute. Mm. Yeah. Man United. I, I remember back then as well, Man United used to be crawling all over the ground. Like you, they used to like, have half of Ellerslie Road. They'd all, because they all live in London, don't they? They'd all just pop down and got tickets in the home end. I just, that was another thing back then that really used to get me because there's kind of an etiquette to sitting in the home end. I'm sure we've all done it at one stage or another. If you can't get a ticket, you go in the home end. But there's, a, there's things you do and don't do, but it never seemed to apply to the Man United fans. They'd just turn up, sit in the loft in Man United gear and celebrate their goals. I mean, like, mm. it's, it's someone not going to give them a hide-in for that. Right? <laughs> I definitely have especially a pattern of, of Man United hate in this, for sure. And it's, I think they're going to come up a lot as a team where people feel hard done by against. Because it was, I mean, we got done several times at Old Trafford, you know, whether we were good or bad, including that Mendes one. There were others. Uh, as an Arsenal fan, Jamie, I'm sure there's plenty of United games you can think of in that. Oh, many, many that I choose to forget. I drink yeah. to forget many, many of those matches. But yeah, just because the lads are the lads are right. The same with the when they, you know, when they, wherever they go. I think you're right, James. That people because you're right. They're the best team. They're the best manager, and everything just seemed to go their way. You know, all the whenever you'd have a a blatant, whenever we talk about you know blatant penalties or whatever, whenever it was somebody anybody fell over in the box, you could tell the whistle was almost ready to go to the ref's lips to blow for a pen for Man United. It's like every time that anybody was tackled, oh, that's a penalty. But whenever it was, you know, for our teams, we always be like, well, he's definitely not going to give that because it's Man United. I, don't, yeah. I can't remember, honestly, us ever getting a penalty or any kind of decision at, at, at Old Trafford. Yeah, I think there was a record, wasn't there? It went years and years without anybody mm-hmm. scoring a penalty at Old Trafford until maybe, was it Torres got one for Liverpool or something? I don't I can't, I can't quite remember this. I labour under no misapprehension that I've got this horribly out of all proportion and warped in my own mind because of my own personal experience. But yeah, I, I hate Eric Cantona. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think we'll struggle to get a, a story as powerful as that about one decision and the implications mm. of it. We're only in episode two, but that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, awful, awful to all that stuff that happened to you, mate. It's, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and it sounds like you've sort of come to terms with it by now, but... No, I mean, yeah. I'm just a horribly bitter, pessimistic person now. It's, it's changed me forever. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 me and David grew up together and uh, I'm pretty sure there's more things I witnessed that ruined his childhood than, uh, than that, but I'll save them <laughs> from the podcast. So, um, I mean, we, we, we're going to run out of time soon, but there was a, a massive list, Dave, that you sent me yeah um of other things and i just i mean feel free to rattle through them but there's I, there's one that intrigued me great wall of china i want to yeah that seemed very very weird and what's the one above it james uh, <laughs> <laughs> the meningitis 
still not still nothing in fit the Meningitis outbreak is what you're trying to say. Right, okay. It's just a sort of one of those random headlines that hits the newspaper that you know it's just not going to be any other club other than QPR. <laughs> um it's you know what like because we're coming to the end towards the end of the show i don't want to give too much time to that because there was one thing that really does need to be mentioned above that but yeah we had an outbreak of meningitis and i think our training got cancelled something like that it was it was totally ridiculous and as i said only qpi could happen to definitely which is of course was was it like as a result of a trip or had you like you know been abroad or something or no we never we never go abroad yeah exactly (laughs) But yeah, I mean, look, before, before we get to the end of the show, the, the whole points deduction fiasco has to be mentioned because we as fans, we, we know that we are hard done by as QPR fans. There's, there's just no doubt about it at all. And we get such few opportunities at redemption that at moments where we are just, you know, the one thing I love about supporting QPR is because we go through, much, through so much shit, when the good stuff happens, it feels like I can't even imagine how different it feels when QPR do achieve something great than it does for a Man U or a team that wins something regularly, you know. Um, and this was really our season where we shine beyond shining. We had this incredibly balanced team that Warnock put together with the most talented player we've had at QPR for a long time in Adele Taraptor, of course, I'm sure James remembers well. And, you know, he put this incredible team together. We played wonderful football. Adele Tarap scored some of the most outrageous goals you will ever see uh, throughout that season. I think, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are, but for nutmegs in a season, he must, he must be through the roof. And we get towards the end of the season. Everything's, you know, we, we're top of the table. We're playing wonderful stuff. And this is our, our moment. And then, of course, what happens newspaper stories start to break that there is a threat of a points deduction hanging over us due to some potentially dodgy dealing with uh, actually one of our star players of that team, a guy called Alejandro Fowlin, who's probably one of the most graceful footballers I've seen in the QPR shirts as well. So it was kind of devastating that he was a part of it as well. But yeah, so some dodgy dealing a bit, to, to sum it up, it was a bit like the Tevez saga at West Ham really. And all of a sudden, we've basically won the league at Watford, but none of us know whether we're going to get this point deduction. And then, of course, everybody's favourite newspaper, The Sun, comes out with a story that we are definitely going to get a 15-point deduction, which will see us drop into the playoffs. And, you know, the hearts of all QPR fans, I mean, it's The Sun, we know we take it with a pinch of salt, but I think everyone's heart collectively sunk when this happened. And winning the league at Watford. Um, it was just, uh, for me, I mean, the fans who were at the game, I didn't make that game, unfortunately. They were, they were delirious, but there was just a part of me who was just like, I don't know what's happening. We don't know what's happening. This, this could actually be completely meaningless. And, you know, to be denied our moment in that way was, was so, like, distressing. Um, thankfully, it, it, it was the fact that it just took so long to resolve this problem as well that just made it that much worse as well. And they decided to announce it in the end about an hour before kickoff in our last game that we were not going to get a point deduction. And even though we lost that game, I mean, I've never seen celebrations like it. But it's, it was just such a shame that they denied us this, this wonderful moment that was so thoroughly deserved throughout that season where we had been majestic in, in claiming the title of the championship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would echo all of that. I mean, what, I think what happened, in fact, in fact, I know what happened. If you actually read through what QPR did, they, they were guilty, you know. And in any other circumstance, when you're found to have gained a sporting advantage in that way, you do usually lose some points. But I think QPR were quite canny in managing to kick, although it was torture for us, managing to kick the case down the road to the last week of the season and then basically buried the FA in paper for a week, just top legal team went in with absolutely stacks and stacks of paper and just said, well, if you're going to do this, you know, you're going to have to go through all this. We're going to have to have a proper hearing. And like you say, it got down to an hour before the kickoff of the last game. And at that point, you can't really dock the points, can you? So I think they were like, QPR went along on that last day with a blank check and was like, what can we, how much should we make this out for to make this all go away? Um, 
And if you if you like to read through the document, I think we should have been back points there. Oh, we lost the audio a bit there, but <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean that was a very heartbreaking tale, Dave, and I I can see how you know that would be upsetting, but you basically cheated. That yeah, yeah. that seems like, <laughs> it seems like you're like, I feel like it's writing out a blank check. Pretty sure that's bribery. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Clive may be like pushing the truth a little bit in, in that element of it. I don't know. I mean, there, there were mixed there were mixed reports of it. You know, um, I remember watching some of the coverage uh, on BBC as, as it was coming up to it, and Neil Warnock, who was our manager at the time, who ironically, of course, was the guy who was hard done by at Sheffield United with the whole Tevez saga. Um, he, you know, he 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 came out and said, look. My the barrister that I've been talking to that's in charge of all this, he's he's been saying all along that, that that actually the rules that we've breached are not worthy of a points deduction. But he was he wasn't able to say that throughout that time. So, but anyway, I'm 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 telling a bit of a different story here to to Clive. So so you know there are obviously it was to, it was torture and like you say that game at Watford when you're meant to be celebrating like lifting the league for the first time in well forever, it was such a weird week, wasn't it? It was, yeah, just hugely disappointing to not be able to celebrate properly. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That's the way QPR do it. <laughs> <laughs> so before before we kind of wrap up then, is, are there any other uh, honourable mentions that you want to give without without necessarily going into the full thing? But We've managed to get through this without mentioning our chairman being forced to resign at gunpoint during the Sheffield United game. That was a very QPR thing that happened so, uh, big big court case no i think um, i think you're confused that was an episode of dream team on sky one <laughs> you would think wouldn't you you would think but again these things happen at qpr uh we also have of course fame i mean if you've never watched a film called the four-year plan you just absolutely have to it's probably for me the greatest football documentary there is which follows qpr in the four years uh that kind of led up to that actually that season with the the points deduction threat um when yeah i mean it i mean it sort of culminated in in our chairman flavio briatori this this charismatic but utterly nuts italian guy uh, <laughs> uh in involved with f1 basically reportedly choosing the team telling the manager what subs to make things like that i mean it was just absolutely bonkers uh and if you watch that film, you know, we were hearing these stories at the time thinking, you know, surely it's just hearsay. But you watch the film, it's, it's actually happening in front of a camera and it's just the most bizarre thing. That's on Prime at the minute for free. So I, I would recommend that. Yeah, you, actual video footage of the chairman making substitutions from the director's box and things like that. So it's, it's definitely worth looking at. Wow. I see. <laughs> So was it was it like successful? Was he good at it, or was it just well, like, what, what you the, I mean, ultimately no. But the funny thing is, in that film, the substitution that's made on his order, the guy that comes on, uh, Man, he actually scores <laughs> within a few minutes. <laughs> and uh, of course, Flavio's like, Man, I knew it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it's wonderful viewing. It's definitely worth definitely worth checking that out. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just to sum up as well, you know, there have been some other stuff, as, things that have happened as well. Two tragic, tragic deaths at the club, really, really awful. Um, uh, a youth player, very promising, called Kyan Prince, whose father started a trust in his name, and actually the, the stadium right now is named after that trust. Uh, he was stabbed to death whilst trying to break up a fight outside his school. Just tragic circumstances. And also we had a very promising young player called Ray Jones who'd broken into the team. Uh, who died in a car accident as well, just as he was really establishing himself in, in the team as well. And kind of dark times that came as well to QPR in, in, in those respects. Um, so, yeah, just just bad luck does tend to follow us around, it has to be said. Um, yeah. As soon, as soon as you see a headline or a story starts on the news, you just, you're like, right, where are QPR going to be involved in this? <laughs> I'm surprised... I'm surprised guys, we're not patient zero for this bloody virus. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have a word for it? Because like the word Spursy is now been that's kind of when Spurs cock things up or just something like ridiculously awful happens to us. Do you guys have a word for it at QPR? Me and my mates just always say oh, that that's very QPR. 
guess. Yeah, right. and that's the phrase that sums it up the most. <laughs> well, before before we go, there's one that I was surprised by that I never knew about, and having spent most of my football life saying how much. Well, there's many reasons to hate Arsenal. Uh, many. Um, but okay. They, they, they bribed their way into the football league. Oh, we've never been relegated. Well, you've never actually been well, promoted in the first place. Bribed their way in. Okay, James, uh, of, stick to the story. Get to right, the point. Bri- bribed their way in ahead of, ahead of Spurs. Uh, anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, but I didn't realise that apparently we did something similar to QPR. And I, I never knew that. So, you know. You guys, just let's end on that because I'm interested by this story. What what happened? I know it was before any of us were alive, but yeah, slightly slightly before my time, despite the name. But um, yeah, I think we won this. We won the Southern League in 1908, which is meant to be you then get promoted to the Football League. Instead, they promoted Tottenham, who finished seventh because they had a vote. I mean, further <laughs> proof that democracy does not work in this country. Get over it. Um, you lost. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then uh, the Southern League was the Southern League was so sure that we would not be in the Southern League the following year that we then had to play an entire year of fixtures midweek because they'd already done the fixtures for the following year without us. So we we had a, an entire season of Tuesday night, like nineteen oh eight oh nine. We played on Tuesdays all the way through because they'd already done the fixtures and we were meant to have been promoted, but your lot got up instead. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of democracy. Uh, <laughs> I should not let a little thing like not winning a league stand in the way of our freedoms and liberties <laughs> what do you reckon Jamie no I reckon that Spurs are cheating bastards and deserve to uh, give uh, Rangers their spot back I think for all your chat that Arsenal are big cheating scumbags I think we all know who the origin uh, originators are you know Yeah, I, we certainly wouldn't have voted for you I uh, I wouldn't mind a season in the championship, to be honest with you. It seems quite fun. <laughs> um, anyway, all right, guys. Well, look, um, that, that's it. I mean, just before we go, is there anything you guys want to plug? Clive, what, what's the... Like, do you want to plug the website? Any, any, anything else you're up to at the moment? Yeah, it's like, yeah they've, I mean, they've stopped paying me, but if you want to click on lofthewords.co.uk, it might, it might pass the time, you know. Follow me on, follow me on Twitter occasionally. That's, that's worthwhile, at Loft the Words. But, you know, no politics, because... Road to ruin when you do politics on Twitter. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> I mean, plugging my music career on a football podcast seems a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll do it. So where can, where can right. we find your tracks? Okay, if you if you like trips to Ibiza and, and house music and things like that, then uh, it's Kish Music, K I S C H Music. Uh, it's pretty much my handle for for most of the social media. Uh, yeah, feel free to follow me. It'd be, uh, much appreciate. Dave's, Dave's been really modest because he's created some absolute bangers and I love them. Uh, so yeah, go and check them out and uh, have a little. It's not going to say that sounding really odd. Have a little boogie. Don't don't don't, <laughs> don't have down. a boogie. Just take take loads of drugs and and go raving, um, but within the the government uh, approved mm. restrictions. Yeah, um, and two is away from everybody else. Yeah, uh, three beds, four benches, and six llamas away at all times. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Um, yeah, yeah, really appreciate it, guys. See you I, next uh, time. I look forward to your search for a club more hard done by than QPR. <laughs> <laughs>Why Always Us is hosted and produced by James Regal and Jamie Mansell. This funky theme music was written and performed by Morrison Marr, a.k.a. Moss Stones, on SoundCloud. If you've got any comments for the show or just want to share the pain of supporting your team, you can find us on Twitter at WhyAlwaysUsPod or email us on whyalwaysuspod at gmail.com. And of course, please support us by subscribing on your chosen podcast platform and leaving us a rating and review. Thank you for listening and see you next time.